This is a podcast from the Business Times. Many have been glued to their devices because of the recent turmoil in the crypto market. These cascading events have raised blood pressures since the collapse of Terra UST, the failure of Three Arrows Capital, and most impactful, the implosion of a rash of distressed centralized crypto lending platforms, which have really hurt some retail investors. So what is wrong with cryptocurrency? Or is it the players or the ecosystem? How affected were you by the collapse of the platform FTX? And is there a course against your loss? And if regulation steps in, what happens to crypto's much-lauded, decentralized and democratized status? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, correspondent Howie Lim, and we get help answering those questions from Wayne Huang, CEO and co-founder of XREX. We're happy you're here, Wayne. What kind of a 2022 did crypto have, you reckon? Thank you for having me, Howie. We ended last year and we started this year with everybody generating very high yield with Genesis, with the ARB, with Grayscale, and then with Anchor, and then everything started to collapse. Now we know that a lot of the high yields starting beginning of the year were artificial, pretty Ponzi in nature, and it was just never going to last. By May, when Terra Luna collapsed, we already knew. We just didn't know how big the contagion was going to be. So with XREX, we were pretty cautious by April. We never listed Luna or UST. And we spent a lot of time studying that white paper and we just couldn't understand why it would work and why it wouldn't death spiral. And so by May, it did. And then we have been pretty anxious ever since the collapse of Terra Luna because we knew that the contagion was going to be big. By August, we felt a lot of bad signals with FTX. It was triggering many alerting evidences that suggested that something weird was going on. And so by September 9th, we decided to pull all of our funds out of FTX. But from May until when we pulled out, it was difficult times. And the whole crypto world was or is under immense pressure. Market volatility, Fed monetary policy, interest rates are rising. Many coins have dropped in price. Was this latest scenario anticipated, you think? I'd say half of it is what you just described. Half of it was really the Terra Luna collapse, which already led to Voyager, Celsius, BlockFi. It's contaminated quite a few of these very big yield venues. And we knew that the contagion was going to be a lot bigger than what we saw at the time already with all these big names being in trouble. We just did not know how wide it was going to be and exactly which companies were infected. It wasn't only because of the economic downturn that the whole world is experiencing. It's really because of the contagion that started with Terra Luna. So what, in your opinion, happened with FTX? They just got greedy or really thought they were cowboys and could do whatever. And from a retail investor perspective, should one have just sat on their Bitcoin or digital asset and not put it anywhere except in a cold wallet? I mean, you'd never allow anyone to pour your fancy artwork or sell rides in your fancy car, for example, right? The main issue with FTX, as we've now come to know, is what the liquidation CEO, John Ray, pointed out. John Ray was 
the liquidation CEO for the Enron case, and he's been doing this type of liquidation and restructuring for the past forty years. And he made a passionate statement that within his forty years career, he's never seen such management negligence, right? Such lack of internal controls and governance and checks and balances. So I think that is the main issue with FTX. I don't feel that the FTX and Alameda leaders meant to screw everything up. But it's kind of like when you're driving your car without your back mirrors and without your dashboard, things can just easily go wrong, and you can just easily be blindsided because you're trying to accomplish something. That is the main issue. There, are, of course, other issues. For example, as an exchange, you're a custodian of your users' assets. You're not a bank, so users. Assets should just sit there. You know, you shouldn't try to do any type of commingling or reserving, meaning that you know swapping one asset with another. And as long as the total value of all of your custody assets matches your liabilities, then that's fine. You shouldn't do that. You should just treat yourself as a warehouse. So stuff comes in and then stuff gets withdrawn, and they weren't doing that at all. So they're treating themselves as a bank, but one, they're not set up to be a bank. They don't have the experiences of running a bank. They don't have the internal checks and balances and governance structure for them to run a bank. And they're not regulated as a bank, and therefore they don't have the government, a government, as their lender of last resort. As we saw in 2008, a lot of the biggest banks in the world screwed up. But Hank Paulson had to, you know, bend one knee and ask Congress that, look, we've got to pass all these. Emergency bail because these banks just cannot go down. So when you're regulated, you do have a lender of last resort, which is your government and your central bank. And so FTX was acting as a bank, but then when they finally realized that they were beyond repair, they reached out to one lender of last resort, which was Binance. But the insolvency was too big. Even for Binance to fill, Binance, however profitable it is, it's a commercial organization. It's not a government, and it can't print money. Most of these failures that we've seen this year are failures of centralized organizations that are operating much like traditional financial institutions. Just that they were a lot less experienced and regulated versus traditional financial institutions. The failures that we have seen have nothing to do with decentralized technologies or distributed ledgers or blockchain technologies. It really is just mismanagement of many centralized organizations. Will centralized exchanges continue to be heavily involved? You think? They'll still be extremely important in the Web three industry because they act as the bridges between Web two and Web three, or between traditional finance and decentralized finance. And you need these centralized bridges to provide, for example, what we call fiat on off ramps, right? So when people Who are new to crypto come into the crypto world, or when they want to get out of the Web three ecosystems, then there needs to be conversion between fiat currencies such as the U.S. dollar and digital assets that live on decentralized ledgers. And centralized platforms play this role very well. But with the collapse of FTX, we'll see a lot more regulation landing upon this space. Still to come, what was the lesson learned from FTX's collapse, and where does cryptocurrency go from here? 
partnering you on your wealth and investment journey. Bringing you insights to make well-timed market moves. Sharing actionable personal financial tips. Helping you protect and grow your wealth. Analyzing Singapore's market trends and corporate issues. Supporting you through your Singapore property journey. Insights from your trusted partner, the Business Times Podcasts. Are you listening? And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Wayne, how much will regulation in the crypto space help? Because even Singapore's Deputy Prime Minister Lawrence Wong has warned that regulation cannot protect crypto customers nor prevent the collapse of exchanges. I think it's going to still help a lot. Satoshi Nakamoto published the Bitcoin white paper in 2008. So that was a few months after Bear Stearns collapse, Merrill Lynch's collapse, and then eventually Lehman Brothers collapse. And these are extremely strictly regulated and seasoned financial institutions that still were either on the edge of collapsing or did collapse. But that doesn't mean that regulation are not going to help. In my opinion, they are going to help in a few ways. One, they're going to put in place and make sure that there are essential checks and balances and governance structure within each of the centralized organizations. And it's going to force the centralized organizations to provide a lot more transparency, including that a lot of audits will need to be done against them by third-party auditors. At the same time, this would also mean that these centralized organizations will have regulators. Regulators usually have two responsibilities. One, they're responsible to regulate these organizations. But two, they're responsible for the well-being of these organizations to help the industry grow and mature. So if in the future such an incident happened where a centralized organization is failing, then it's going to be, as we have seen in 2008, the regulators then must step in and use governmental power to try to bail this uh, failing organization out or to act as lender of last resort. We saw in 2008, I mean, Hank Polson and his team, they did not spend a lot of time talking about what went wrong because that wasn't the time to talk about who to put in jail. That's going to come much later. The focus at that time was that the government as lender of last resort do whatever it takes to minimize the impact on retail users and retail investors. Yeah, but purists want or hope crypto goes back to its decentralized roots, but that seems unlikely. So how can the balance of keeping the decentralized nature of the cryptocurrency space with the security and safety of customers be achieved? That's a really good question. I think the biggest risk with regulation is that you overregulate. Then you're going to immediately kill off innovation. So to strike a balance, I would recommend four mechanisms that already offer a lot of transparency. For example, DeFi protocols, right? We saw that Aave was attacked. And within 24 hours, we saw that Aave had a 1.5 million roughly of bad debt. That's incurred because of the attack. And we knew the numbers versus the insolvency with FTX or Voyager or Celsius or BlockFi. We had to find out many months later because of the lack of transparency. So for mechanisms that already offer great transparency and because they're under the scrutiny of all market participants and the public, there is a much higher likelihood that any type of unfairness or manipulation or screw up gets identified. 
because all eyes are on all these DeFi protocols all the time. Why? Because everybody is incentivized to really pay close attention and to run a lot of programs to analyze these DeFi protocols because it gives you early signals. It gives you alpha in your trading. But then with centralized organizations that do not offer the same level of transparency and that lacks a lot of the immutability nature provided by automated smart contracts, we need to introduce more regulation. What happens if you were hurt from FTX's collapse? Yeah, so as we've seen with Bernie Madoff, McGox, eventually I think, you know, you'll get something paid back to you, but that's going to be over a very long period of time. This time with the FTX situation, many distressed asset investors are looking into the situation and there might be quite a few professional distressed asset investors that are willing to buy people's debts from them, pennies on the dollar. So versus Mongox, FTX has impacted, in my opinion, a lot of retail investors. What's the lesson from FTX's collapse? When you read about a financial systemic collapse and a financial crisis, it's very different compared to when you actually are in one and you're actually one of the participants. Because it changes you, it really gives you a lot more experience. So although a lot of people have been hurt, but it will also give you valuable experience that you will benefit a lot from in the future. This collapse with FTX, we're going to see many, many, many more in the next 50 years. And I bet you that some years down the road, you're going to not get hurt when some big collapse happens because of your FTX or Terra Luna or Genesis experience. But then you're going to see younger people or people who are newer to this space getting hurt really badly. And they could not have imagined in, in their wildest dream that something like this could happen. Well, that's because they have not gone through Lehman Brothers, Enron, Mungox or today FTX. And sometimes we just have to live through one to really learn. Okay, proponents of cryptocurrency still hope for it to go mainstream as a way to create wealth for people globally who can't access traditional financial services or who have poor credit history. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Decentralized ledgers and also Bitcoin itself and Ethereum are perfect for that. However, it's really hard for everybody to learn the skills of custody and to learn how to use a decentralized exchange or decentralized bank. So I still look forward to that in emerging markets where these decentralized technologies are going to be making the biggest difference in financial inclusion that we continue to have better and more regulated, centralized, blockchain-enabled institutions. You've always said long-term horizon, don't put too much in. So what's the deal with cryptocurrency in 2023 and beyond? What's its outlook? Well, everybody has a very different skill set and investment methodology. I'm not actually a trader, so I lack those skills. What's worked for me is precisely during times like this, I cost average in during the market bottom with money that I can spare for the next five to six years. 
And then、uh, I hold on. You know, when the next bull market comes, then I make a profit, and it's worked out quite well for me so far. We've been discussing the collapse of FTX and the future of cryptocurrencies with Wayne Huang, CEO and co-founder of Xrex. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast from the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, or via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.